so this is what it's like. Welcome to The Good, Definitely a podcast produced by DesignWorks right Group, celebrating people and everything sure, good in this kinda, world. You gotta go through, man. Uh, come on, come on, uh, come on, come on, uh, come on, come on, uh, come on, come on. I was born so I could end up where we all end up. When the race is over, return to the center. There is no way to mend up these broken pieces. What's up, everyone? You're listening to The Good. It is the week of February 10th. My name is Jared Van. Sitting down with my co-host, Logan Draper. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi, buddy. <laughs> um, thank you all for listening. If this is your first time listening. Again, this is a good... Um, Logan, I start, started this... Um, you giggly what, today. What, what I say? What I say last week? Seven months. I need to say nine months this this week. Logan and I started this a while ago, um, just to celebrate people and all the good stuff that's happening in the world, and celebrate good news um, as opposed to what we typically see on the news. So that's how this whole thing um, started, and I think it's been good for us. Hopefully, um, y'all enjoy it as well. Yeah. So we're going to jump right in. We always start by talking about what's good in our lives. So what's good, man? Hey, buddy. What's good is it's raining outside. It is raining. Which is better than, not that last week was bad, but it is it is better than the snow and ice. No, that's part of my good. It, well, for me, it's better. Just way better logistically here in Texas. So we need the rain. It's good. You actually saw a snow plow on the roads. Uh, the other day when it snowed. Was that, a, was that a weird feeling? I don't think I've ever seen one of those before in Wichita Falls. I don't know if we had one until that big one. I don't know. Big storm in 2009. Yeah, I actually saw a snow plow plow on the road, so it was kind of strange to see. Yeah. Rain's good, though. Um, we had night to shine on last Friday night, mm-hmm. and that was the dopest night ever, which I'll talk about that later. Um, and families... <coughs> God bless you. How bush league. I've never sneezed, I don't think, in a hundred and some episodes. You're losing it. Man. Um, I almost had a budgie for that. You should have. Uh, but yeah, family's healthy. Um, I'm good. I woke up real early this morning because my dog threw up on me in bed, which That's good. wasn't good, but it turned out to be good because it got me up early. Got up about four, got to work by five. And you said it smelled like chocolate, so it could have been worse. It wasn't like a good chocolate smell. It just had oh. like a like a chocolate twang to it. Oh, so it's like, like sour chocolate? It, it basically like chocolate like, that was made from chunky milk. It looked like when she was done up, she was just done up like the lining of her stomach. She ran out of food. Oh, yeah, but she yeah, it it covered. I mean, it had it, it was a gallon's worth. I'm not kidding. I'm not being sarcastic. It was an outrageous amount. Katie had to clean me off before I got out of bed so it didn't get everywhere. It was like exorcism throw up all over me. You know what? It was all right. And I was I had I'd gone to bed early for the first time in like three weeks so i still got like seven or eight hours so she knew that was her chance to throw up super early in the morning my thing is why did did you jump into bed to throw up on me because she was trying to find somebody to comfort her while she was feeling sick and i did i picked her up and held her when i got cleaned up petted her for a little bit put her outside watched her go out in the yard and throw up she came back in threw up again three more times and then you just and then you just let her out the front door yeah it's like all right you just go on but i went home for lunch and she was she had not gotten sick again so that's good or let me rephrase that I didn't find it. If uh, our dogs throw up during the day, we usually don't know because the other one just comes by and eats it. Oh, oh I didn't even think about that. 
So maybe she did, and yeah, Jeffy, Jeffy, Jeffy ate it. it. Or she would eat it, honestly, but... Yeah, man. Other than that, we're doing super good. Or, uh, how are y'all? We're good. We uh, found out... I guess it was the last week we found, we found out our daycare is moving into our neighborhood. So that's kind of awesome. Super convenient. It's super convenient. Which, uh, I'm assuming most of our listeners live in Wichita Falls, so you know that nothing in Wichita Falls is that far away. Just just that little move. Like, it's right outside our of our neighborhood, so we pass it every day. They're moving in there, so that'll be super convenient. Yeah, probably, just gonna, probably just going to buy, go ahead and buy Walker a bike and tell him he can ride himself to, to daycare. Yeah, or those uh those like big wheels. Yeah. He get there in about twelve yeah. minutes. Um he did get uh he was he's been sick the last few days, I guess starting Friday. But it's apparently he's uh recovering today, so that's good. The XFL started. XFL started. Which week one was pretty entertaining. Hopefully they can maintain that. Um but yeah. The snow was kind of cool. Yep. Walker got to see snow for the first time. That was, that was pretty fun. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of good stuff. Night yeah. to shine. I was in the quiet room. Yeah. You're holding it down in there. I was holding it down in the quiet room. That was fun. So, yeah. Only took like seven naps. Yeah. Three hours. It's not bad. Yeah. So, I'm just going to take any naps. But, yeah. That was that was fun. That was good. So, a lot of, a lot of stuff. A lot of good stuff, man. A lot of, a lot of good stuff. All right. We're going to move on to the segment everybody listens to this for, the uh, haikus. I feel like it's been a while since I pressed these buttons. I haven't been too good at them anyways. Happy hi-hi, a hi-hi, a haikus! One for one. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Um, right. I'll go first. Here is my haiku, which I did had, had, I had just warning so you don't make fun of me after I say this one word. I had to change it so it was three syllables instead of four. So it's actually not a word. I would never make fun of you. But yeah, just uh, giving you a little heads up so you don't stop me mid-haiku to make fun of me. No cooking needed. Throw stuff in and refrigerate. Overnight oatmeal. Run it back. No cooking needed. Throw stuff in and refrigerate. Overnight oatmeal. Refrigerate. Refrigerate. That sounds right, though, right? If you wouldn't have said it, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have called you. Okay. On. Dang, I shouldn't have told you then. Yeah, I wouldn't have called you. On. Yeah, I couldn't use refrigerate. It's too many syllables. Smart so, though. So refrigerate. That's that's just the that's the beauty of haikus is being creative. That's a that's a southern dialect. Refrigerate. Yeah. Refrigerate it. Got to cut down on as many syllables as possible. You eating uh, oatmeal? Hmm? I did this morning. First first time I had breakfast during the week in probably over a year. Dude, this is the first time I've had breakfast in forever today. We usually we usually have breakfast on Saturdays because so we get to sleep in a little bit. Well, not really because Walker, but I mean I I kind of get to sleep in, but we just have more downtime, so we usually have breakfast on Saturdays. But during the week, I haven't eaten breakfast in so long. Look at you! So I decided to make me some overnight oats. What? They're pretty. They're pretty good. Man. Yep. Every episode we do, you get older and older. No, that's not old. What? I guess old people do eat oatmeal because it's heart healthy, huh? Yeah. Oh, man. Yep. Older and older. Gosh dang, I didn't even think about that. Oh, good, man. Well. Were they good, though? They were pretty good. Good. They were pretty good and easy. Were they, do you eat them cold? Yeah. You can heat them up. But yeah. I've never had cold oatmeal. You should try it. Just, nah. just throw it in the fridge the night before and it's ready to go in the morning. 
But then just heat it back up. You can heat it How up. How long does it take to make oatmeal? What do you got to... It's not a crock pot meal. You can, you can heat it up for like 45 seconds and it's good to go. Yeah, that's but what I'm saying. Why not just do that in the morning instead of... Maybe you should just try a cold oatmeal. Okay. You don't know what you're missing you're out right. on. You're right. I'll open my horizon. I'll try yeah. that. Gosh. My haiku is... Our time here matters. How and who it's spent on, it's love's currency. It is spent on. I saw you counting. Our yeah. time here matters. How and who it is spent on, it's love's currency. It's pretty deep. Yeah. Did you get that? Was that from Joaquin's Oscar speech? Should have been. Unfortunately, I saw that too late. Yeah. It's good, yeah. man. Very deep. Yeah, mine, deep. mine will go into my first story. That's my my haikus, I'm just getting older and older. Your haikus, you're just getting deeper and deeper. But I'm still not that deep. That's you know what I'm saying? That's pretty deep. Loves, yeah. loves currency. And it, I, here's where I struggle as a writer. That sounds like an old, like, contemporary Christian pop group's album title. <laughs> That's where I struggle is when I write this. I'm like, is time love currency? Is that a fair thing to say? Can you, can you say things like that in a haiku, a poem, or a, a script, and it not be 100% accurate? Does it have to be fact, or can it just be no, haiku, imagery? No, haikus don't have to be fact. No, 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 but to what say is, it's love's currency. Time is love currency. Like, is that fair? I think it is. Sure. But does that mean I can, you know what if, I'm saying? If you can, if it makes sense to you, and you can explain it to another person, it makes sense to them, then it makes sense. It, that was the deepest thing I've heard you say. Yep. Makes sense to you. You tell someone else, makes sense to them. It makes sense. I'm also pretty sure that's a Michael W. Smith album. Love's currency. I'm gonna look it up. Um, it's not. But but what if it is? But I'm pretty sure I uh, I own an old CCM album <laughs> named Love's Currency. Oh, uh, first off, I typed in Love's Currency, and the first thing that popped up was Mac Miller. Object, oh, objects in the mirror. That's lyrics from a song. Well, look at th- that's probably where you got it from. You've been listening to a lot of him lately, haven't you? I have been. You stole it. I did not. Mm-hmm. Got embedded into me. Mm-hmm. The great Mac Miller. Also known as Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> no. Don't put that on me. All right. We'll move on to our headlines. If you're down and feeling kind of crappy, well, guess what? We'll make you happy. Happy headlines. Yeah. Happy headlines. Happy. This segment is the bulk of the podcast. This and then I guess the next one, which we don't really have a, a segment intro for the next one, but it's basically just shorter happy headlines. But yeah, we just pick out um, a few news stories that are good, encouraging news stories, and summarize them for each other and talk about them. So that's what this whole segment is. I'll go first. My uh, first headline is... Woman donates kidney to bus driver's wife, a complete stranger. And this is the one I'm kind of worried that I'm about to butcher this because there's kind of a uh, a lot of moving parts and a lot of um, coincidences that aren't coincidences that I, I don't I don't even know. But I'll 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 do my best. Um, so this lady, Valerie Scott, um, great name. It is a it is a great name. I also think I got confused on the story because. It mentioned her and her husband and her donor and her husband, and I kept getting mixed up 
who was a donor, who was a kidney recipient, who was a, I don't even know. Um, but anyways, yeah, this lady, Valerie Scott, she, um, for seven years, she has dealt with polycystic kidney disease and, um, she was in need of a kidney transplant because it said her kidneys were the size of, uh, small footballs, um, and still growing, but they were, um, obviously losing function, um, it said her mother ha- had the same disease, and for her to get a transplant, she not only needed to find a willing donor, um, but that donor had to match blood type and six uh, antigen antigens. Don't ask me what antigens are, but just uh, apparently a lot of stuff goes into uh, a kidney transplant. So then this perfect stranger, she had no idea who she was, um... She happened to be on a bus that her, that Valerie's husband Rex drove as part of like a brewery tour. Um, wait, this guy's name, wait, hold this guy's a bus driver and his name is Rex. Yeah. So the, think yeah. about that. And he, he like drives his bus for, what do you think about that? What? His name is Rex. W R E C K S Rex. And he drives a bus. No, R E X. <laughs> no, I know, but. No. Was that a reach? You kind of derailed that story. Yes, there we go. Hi, hi, hi. Yeah, but apparently this brewery, they um, he drives one of the five buses that does tours every day, and Joyce Smith and her friends were on there um, only because their initial plan fell through. Um, so Joyce and her friends went on this, this brewery bus tour, um, during a batch, bachelorette party, and this whole process of her giving Valerie her kidney started with a great joke from Rex. Um, he said, uh, Joy said before they got off the bus that Rex said um, he would also take a kidney as a tip. So, um, yeah. So I guess... She, uh, sorry, I missed one important part. Okay. I knew I was going to butcher the story. There's a lot of details in this, though. I know this is a tough one. Story. So they were on the bachelorette party. The, um, Joyce was a bridesmaid. The, um, soon to be wife, she was also in need of a kidney. So that prompted Joyce, before any of this happened, to spend like months in order to become a viable donor. Um, but I don't know how to say the, the bride's name. She was already a transplant and she wasn't healthy enough to be on like the, the kidney donor list yet. Um, so then I guess Joyce, has, uh, found out that somebody needed a kidney because Rex was asking for kidneys for tips after his brewery, uh, bus tour. Um, so then got into contact with them, found out more about Valerie um, also forgot to mention that Rex wasn't even supposed to be driving that day. I guess he took somebody's shift. So there's a lot of moving parts that just happen to, uh, lead to Valerie and Joyce being connected and Joyce donating her, um, her kidney. And one of the things Joyce said was, I can't take my car with me and I can't take all these organs with me. So whatever I can do now, I want to do, um, her and her husband, uh, like between natural born, adopted, um, fostering, and I guess legal guardianship, 
They care for nine kids, including one who was a kidney transplant recipient six years ago. Um, Joyce's dad also uh, received a liver transplant when she, when Joyce was a child. She said, I just wanted to make the same difference in other kids' lives that I was shown in my life. She said, God picked out the best person. He knew what he was doing that whole time um, uh, and that Joyce wasn't a stranger in God's eyes. Um, so yeah, a lot of moving parts, a lot of coincidences that probably aren't coincidences that were actually orchestrated in order for Joyce to get in touch with Valerie and give her her kidney. Um, the transplant actually happened like three weeks ago, I think. Um, and then they sat down like both couples for an interview with this, this, uh, news organization, um, apparently both women are doing well. They're just a little bit sore. Um, and Valerie said she can already see a huge difference in her energy levels. So kind of a lot of, uh, moving parts and it all worked out. It's crazy how stuff like that comes together. Yeah. Just from one from, of those things changes. It doesn't yeah. sort of put the same from their plans following through. So they go on this brewery tour to her being a, bridesmaid in this in this girl's wedding who also needed a uh, kidney transplant so she went through the whole like process to become a viable donor to them getting on one of the five buses that rex wasn't even supposed to be driving that day to him saying also accept a kidney as a tip and that set everything off in emotion there's a lot of stuff that That's had a to lot happen. of stuff so beautiful yeah. though yeah pretty beautiful um, my first story, we've talked about it so much on this podcast, but since it just happened, I'm going to wrap it up um, nationally. But Tim Tebow honors kings and queens with special needs in worldwide prom. So we've, we've heard start with this a lot, but there are 720 churches across the United States and in more than 30 countries um, hosting about 115 honored guests ages 14 and up. Sorry, 115,000. Um, all of them with special needs. And, um, yeah, it's just crazy because people don't know, just to kind of give you an idea, we hosted one as well, and nobody knows where Tim Tebow's going. Everybody makes that kind of a big deal, and I don't think it is. Did Tim Tebow come to ours? No. Would you, what would you have been, would you have been shocked that he's there the whole time and you had no idea? Oh, I was in the room. quiet room the whole time, and Timmy was there the whole time. Yeah, yeah. He didn't come, and honestly, didn't. No offense to, to Tim, he's the man, but don't really care. It's not that night's not about that. But over two hundred thousand volunteers have prepared for the sixth annual celebration uh, when they rolled out the red carpet. So there's actually a red carpet that the guests get to walk down, and there's like basically paparazzi all around it taking pictures, um, holding signs up, cheering them on as they walk down the red carpet. They get their name called out. There's a place to have their makeup done, their shoes shined. Uh, there's good food. I mean, we had cotton candy. I think popcorn, we had pop popsicles, some dope fried catfish, yeah, some hush there. puppies. Dude, I was watching. First off, I was watching people walk around with some of the tallest cotton candy I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was like double decker cotton candy. It was pretty dope. Um, but yeah, it was just cool. It's it's massive across. Um, I think Tim Tebow. This is only the sixth annual, so it's it's crazy that it's already grown this big, this fast, but it's definitely one of the coolest things ever. I got the opportunity to get to set on the uh, red carpet for the beginning, and it was just so cool to see people, um, that excitement, to get to walk through 
the streamers and balloons and everyone's just cheering for them. And then they get to walk inside and meet their buddy and hang out for the night. So it was definitely, that's the reason I wrote the haiku that I wrote was just like our time here matters. And for those three hours, that was like the, I think for some people, those three hours will be the most pure three hours of their year where it's not about them. And it's an opportunity just to celebrate people who um, unfortunately don't get celebrated enough. And so I think it's one of the coolest nights of the year. And I think it's definitely one of the, I mean, I didn't cry, but I think other people cried that night. I cried, I cried a lot. Love's currency. Love's currency, man. As love currency. Yeah, man. Not shine. Shout out to Tim Tivo for putting this on. They, that team, I like was trying to do this stuff in my head on how they pulled this off with money and all that. They have to get a lot because there's so many people that have to work on this full time. Not like the churches. That's a whole different thing. But the organization itself to keep everything organized, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a whole lot. And just, they do a really good job of it. Did you say 30 countries? Yeah. I mean, if I can name 30 countries. Let me, let me just double check that real quick. That thing, that thing yeah. went pretty fast. Yep. 720 churches across the United States and in more than 30 countries. I don't know if I can name 30 countries. And I believe that old Timmy went to uh, overseas this year. Oh, he did? I think he went overseas. So um, here's a picture of his wife putting makeup on one of the honored guests. So his, his new wife. Yes. Not new wife, but newly. I, I thought they were, I actually thought they were still engaged. Oh, are they? I thought they got married. No, no, it says married in here, but I didn't, I didn't realize that it had happened. I thought, I mean, I, I didn't, I mean, not that I expected to get an invitation, but it would have been nice. All right. My next headline is new research shows even hungry babies will share their food. <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought this was a, a cool story. That's pretty short. So it's more of a quick hitter. Um, but yeah, babies will spontaneously share food with hungry strangers, even when they are hungry themselves, according to a new study published this month in Scientific Reports. So they did this, they did this uh, experiment, a study, um, and they first conducted an experiment with nineteen-month-olds, uh, which what that's like a year and a half, I guess, ish. Which at some point, when do you when do you switch over from months to years? In the age of babies. Anyways, yeah, they conducted this this first experiment with nineteen. It's a great. It's a great question, by the way, and I think it deserves longer at some point for us to talk about that. Yeah, and I think it's a problem. Yeah, um, it should be at twelve, but continue. Yeah, th- first experiments with nineteen month olds after about um, seventy five minutes after their last snack or meal, and in the experiment, the experiment was set up by like. An unfamiliar adult reached for pieces of fruit that had been placed on the the, the kids' trays in front of them, and the chi- the child could choose to either share the fruit with the adult or keep the fruit and eat it themselves. And almost sixty percent of the children shared at least one of the fruits with the adult. They did a follow up experiment, and the researchers had the children's parents bring them in just prior to their next scheduled. Uh, scheduled snacker meal. Um, so they said on average it was uh, had been more than 130 minutes since they ate last. Um, and the results showed that almost 40% of the children were willing to share at least one piece of fruit with the adult who reached for the food. Um, so 
apparently, apparently kids are willing to share. So they, and they came to the conclusion, I'm sure they'll do like more, um, from this, from the study or like continue it on with different ages or whatever. Um, but the results demonstrate that children as young as one year old are capable of engaging in unprompted altruistic sharing, even when they have motivation to be stingy. Mm. So I thought it was cool that at that, they, uh, that young age, like have the ability and the d- desire to share with people, even when they might be hungry. Yeah. Uh, I bet if they try to take away their like favorite toy or something, yeah. it might be a different story. I don't know if Ellie would have done well in this study. People <laughs> bopping kids on the head over maybe you should conduct, Fig Newton. Maybe you should conduct your own study. Nah, man. She'll hit me with that no stop. No, it can't be you that tries to take it because she knows you too well. It has to be a stranger. Oh, yeah. She's definitely not giving. You don't, you don't think so? Another kid, maybe. Oh, well then. Not some see? grown man She's swinging by. But she's just sharing her food all day at daycare. Oh, no, no, no. You don't think so? Nope. Okay. Doubt it. Well, well, it was cool that a lot of kids minus Ellie were willing to share. Yeah. It, I think it's that's kind of a... You always hear the opposite. You know, that like we, we were born and we have like some of these things in our DNA. Mm-hmm. Like we're already saying no, stop we were, before we were trained. But it's cool to hear like that like... Well, I don't know whether it be sympathy... Or what that is already ingrained in kids. That's super cool. The researchers also noted that this appears to be a uniquely human behavior um, and that it hasn't been well documented in animals. And they said, while some animals do share food um, within kinship groups, no study has demonstrated the behavior among unrelated animals. So good job, humans. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, that's a good. That's a win. Yep. And good job, little toddlers. Hopefully, Walker will be a sharer, holding it down. Or, yeah, we'll see. I love this. is This is actually one of my favorite stories in a while. Um, the headline is how urban farming saved a Dallas community. Um, and I want to just. I'm going to ask you how to say this. Bonton, Bontem, B O N T O N. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. How would you say that? B-O-N-T-O-N. Bonton. <laughs> Why do you get so aggressive on it? I was just picturing the word wonton. Oh, bonton. So that'd be one wonton. Bonton. Bonton? Isn't wonton spelled W-O-N-T-O-N? I, mean, I, I can't know. read this right. Bonton Farms. We'll just say that. So if I'm getting that wrong, I'm so sorry because I think this is such a dope story. Um, and I listened to it in the video earlier and I didn't even think about it, but some of these stats in here on Dallas are kind of insane. Um, listen to this. So in Dallas, one of the wealthiest cities in the world, this, this community, um, and about 48% of its residents suffer daily from the effects of urban poverty to name a few, um, Bonton residents have, disproportionately high rates of incarceration, joblessness, disease, and lack of transportation. The rate of cardiovascular disease is 54% higher than the rest of Dallas, and the rate of diabetes is 45% higher. Residents also suffer suffer from a problem that's surprisingly common in urban locations, um, a lack of access to fresh and healthy food that's affordable. So this, this community is in South Dallas. 
and this kind of blew my mind. It takes a three-hour round-trip bus ride to reach the nearest grocery store. Holy cow. Because Dallas is so wealthy and it's doing so well, and it's so big, all of the jobs are not down here. Mm-hmm. So the, this whole community is almost completely separated, so businesses aren't moving down um, into the South, the South Dallas area because it doesn't make sense. So what they did was they created... Have you ever heard of urban farming? Um, a little bit. I want to. I want to go check this place out. Um, but Darren, uh, this guy named Darren started this farm, and it's just like I think he started in a vacant lot next to his house, and the hope was to offer to this community the ability to actually have fresh produce. Isn't that wild to think about in Dallas? Yeah. One of the wealthiest cities in the world. Yeah. There's a whole section of community that can, does not have access to quickly get to fresh food. I'm pretty sure that's your boy Street Hems does something like that. Does I need to look like, that up. Does some like urban farming. I forget where. He's he's like from the Dallas area, isn't yep. he? Yeah, I, I don't know where. I forget where, but I'm pretty sure I've seen him post some stuff him doing like some some, some something with urban farming. Yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy. So it says about 45% of Dallas's population lives in South Dallas, but only 5% of Dallas's jobs are in the southern portion of the city. Um, so what Bonton Farms does is it empowers, um, it gave like residents there the opportunity to not only have jobs, but they create nutrition programs and cooking classes. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely would say if you're listening to this, you should look it up. We'll, we'll post this article, but yeah, it's really, I don't know. It's just, it's such a wild thing to me to, to think that to be in Dallas, one of the wealthiest areas, and then to have this problem. But yeah. then for somebody to find it, have the opportunity, and to create um, not only jobs, but actually like nutritious food for the people around them. Yeah. You also need to go watch the, the documentary, The Biggest Little Farm. That's pretty good. About the one hmm? about the small people. No. Doing pumpkins? No, I think okay. that's a little big farm. Okay. Actually, I have no idea what that one is. It's pretty good, though. It's not urban farming, but it's pretty cool. All right, we're going to move on to our quick hitters. Um, basically, the same thing as Happy Headlines, just condensed. Um, so we'll kind of fly through some of these. Um, my first headline is Anonymous Donor Gives City $150,000 for Senior Center Roof. Um, so the headline kind of explains what the story is. Um, but yeah, this community, um, their senior center needed a new roof because it was leaking pretty, pretty bad. And, um, they were trying to get it re-roofed, but they kept running into challenges like bids that were received or rejected because they exceeded budget for the work. Uh, two companies defaulted on contracts awarded. Um, and then also the the council rejected a, a contract uh, presented a few months ago. So I guess this anonymous donor saw the challenges and donated $150,000 to redo the roof. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Those anonymous, those people who do it anonymous, anonymously are super special too. I know, man. I would be, I'd like paint my name on the roof before it got put up. Oh, dude. So everybody flying over would, would know. I put my own press release out. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, 
My turn. Yeah. Actually, you should have one. You should have one left. Okay. Let me do one more. Um, my next one is Man in Wheelchair. Man in Wheelchair from Paralysis walks again thanks to a new medical innovation. So this dude named Chris, he was out surfing a couple years ago, and he doesn't really know what happened, but he woke up in a hospital bed um, and got results back and found out he was um, paralyzed. And they said there's a 95% and 97% chance that um, he would be, he wouldn't ever be able to move anything below his, uh, his, uh, neck again. He said he felt, um, super, super hopeless about the life ahead of him without being able to move anything below his, his neck. And he ultimately wanted to end his life and even asked his wife, Debbie, for permission to pull the plug. Debbie convinced, uh, him, um, not to give up so easily and asked mm. him to give it a little more time despite the odds. And he agreed and then things started looking up because he was able to move a toe and his leg and his leg and even his hands. But then the progress plateaued. So he did gain a little bit back, putting that progress plateaued. And then he received a phone call from this doctor at the, I think it was the, the Mayo Clinic um, up in Minnesota, Dr. Muhammad Biden. And he is a, this doctor is a spinal cord researcher and he was leading a innovative trial um, that basically would take like some stem cells from stomach fat and would be injected to the spinal cord to regenerate and repair the injury and Chris was one of 10 people in this I guess this trial study and so he got the his, his stem cells injected into his spinal cord and it said a short amount of time. It didn't say exactly how much time. It said a short amount of time after the procedure. Um, Chris said he saw improvements quickly when he first started getting feeling back in his legs, um, something that he hadn't experienced in almost a year. And then um, Chris surprised everyone and even himself when he started walking for consistent intervals. So... Good job, science and technology, and good job, good, good job for Debbie. One, yeah, seriously, for sticking by his side, encouraging him, going to rehab with him all the time, and just congrats to Chris. Seriously, to walk again. I can't imagine that, especially something that sudden. Yeah. Also, thought I had one more. Oh yeah, I do have one more. Okay, so you can do yours now. Uh, mine's pretty quick. Uh, Australia rejoices as rainfall extinguishes one third of all bushfires in a single day. That's crazy just to think that's still going on. I know. So out of sight, out of mind here. Uh, they got they got hit with all the the bushfires, and then they were also like in that huge drought. Yeah. Oh. So golly. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, there's not a ton to this, but it says collectively the rainfall has extinguished 20 of the active fires, leaving 42 fires still blazing across the coast. Um, according to the Sydney Morning Herald, only two of those fires are above the low moderate safety rating. So I guess it did knock out a pretty good chunk. Um, there have been a lot of cool stories that have come out of that, though. Yeah. Like whether it's um, people providing housing for people, people running into the fire to save koala bears. Did you see the one about the dog? That's what I was about to say. I just saw one today about a dog that had saved like 300 animals or something like that. That seems like clickbait. 
to me. Yeah. I didn't. Well, I didn't click on it. I didn't either, but I saw the um, headlines. Yeah, apparently there was some dog. I don't know if he. I guess he was already trained to do something in that capacity, but he was running in to the bushfires, just saving animal after animal. How do you do that? I don't know. I don't know. It's probably. I didn't see what type of dog it was, but golden retrievers have that soft palate, so they can put stuff in their mouths, and it's just like a, it was a wiener like dog. coziness in there. So <laughs> just woo, <laughs> just rolling through there. Uh, he's just got no regard for his body. Just things were just riding on his back. He probably could fit about ten koalas on his back. One of those Maybe. super stretch out wiener dogs, <laughs> like Slink from Toy Story. That's, a, that's what I was just about to say that he's going in there and he's saving all the koalas. Yeah, and he, one fell swoop. All right, my last one is an eight-year-old boy paid off lunch debts for his entire school by selling keychains. Like we've had a story similar to this, almost yeah. every other podcast about paying off lunch debt. But Keone Ching from Vancouver, Washington, he's an eight-year-old, um, and he saw that his school and some of the schools surrounding him had uh, quite a bit of lunch debt. Um, so he started making handmade keychains that he sold for $5 each, and he raised $4,015. That was enough to erase a lunch debt um, of students from his school and six other schools. Jeez. Uh, so this all started, um, apparently have a kindness week at his school in Keone. I wanted to do something for it, and he is um, trying to think of plans with his, with his parents, what he could do, and then he was inspired by Richard Sherman, the 49ers cornerback, Richard Sherman, who had recently paid off a lot of lunch debt at a school in his community. Um, So Keone decided that he wanted to pay off lunch debt and decided he could do that by making keychains because, quote, I love keychains. They look good on my backpack. (laughs) So um, he he made and sold more than 300 keychains, and then he... Um, delivered the um, a uh, four thousand dollar four thousand fifteen dollar check to Franklin Elementary School last week, um, and apparently a thousand dollars will go to that school to pay off the uh, five hundred dollars that they had in lunch debt, and um, they'll they'll set back five hundred dollars for any future uh, debts, and then the rest will go to six other nearby schools, um, which will get five hundred dollars each to clear their own lunch debts. So. Dang, he just take, took out the lunch debt for seven schools Jeez. as an eight-year-old, just banging out keychains. Dude, just because he knows he likes to walk down the halls and flex. I know. Those things clapping I bet, out I back. bet that's going to be the loudest hallways ever now with all the, the keychains <laughs> click clacking yeah. on, the, on the backpacks. I respect it. Yeah. So, good job, Keone. And good job, Richard Sherman. You know, that guy gets a lot of flack, but he's inspiring pe- some people. Man, who cares what the media thinks? Yeah. You do your thing, Richard. Yeah. So, I guess that's it. Yeah. You got anything else you want to say? Mm-mm. Talk about? No. I don't think I do either. It's dog throat. Get me up early. Not, uh, I'm shutting down quicker today. Yeah. A little tired. My, my head's been a little bit foggy. Like I guess my, AH, my AHIs weren't too good last night. <laughs> I didn't even check. I'm 10 minutes away from hitting my 12-hour stand-up. I think I already hit mine. No. Oh, how late, late were you up last night? I'm at 10. I don't think I've gotten... I got, I got my 3 o'clock one. So I'm two hours away. What time did you go to bed? 
Like 11. I woke up at like 6 this morning, though. Ooh. That's work, man. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good for you. Yep. I'm almost right there with you. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> um, we have uh, started posting some of these stories and stuff on our Facebook page to so go like that. Uh, go like our Facebook page. Um, and you can read some of these stories for yourself. Sometimes if we can find it, we tag some of the, the people or organizations that are involved in the story. So you can go check out their, their social pages as well. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Um, oh, one more thing. If you did enjoy what you heard, go find us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now, and leave us some feedback and a um, some stars. We would greatly appreciate that. Yeah, have a great week. And as always, be on the lookout for the good. 